Welcome to the Better Human Podcast, about making humans better humans and demystifying the world of relationships, communication, and entrepreneurship for your better life. For this season and the next few weeks, we're taking a break from our regular episodes. And instead, we're inviting back some of our most popular guests and some new ones to ask them one very important question, which is, what has been the most important learnings you've taken from the last two years? These mini episodes are designed to give you insights from our tribe and mentors so you can learn from their experiences and enhance your own life and contribute to making humans better humans. Today, we brought back a friend and client, Bob McDonald, and if you want to hear his full bio and the impactful episode on the leader's mindset of resilience, grit, and determination, check out season two, episode seven. Today, we're going to be talking about the death of entitlement, focusing one day at a time and creating some buffer time for us, and more importantly, redeveloping and learning new social habits. Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks, Greg. Nice to be here with you again. It's always a pleasure. As we were just chatting, I was saying this is what we're doing. And really what we wanted to get together with you today was to ask one question, which is what's been your biggest lesson or experience or thought from the last couple of years? Greg, it's a fascinating question in so much as I feel like we've all had lots of time to ponder things on a much deeper level, perhaps with greater stress added to it or a greater sense of concern added to it. But the sense of reflection that I've had has been pretty remarkable. And I think other people have had this as well, really thinking through elements of my life and what works, what doesn't work, what I'm proud of, what I'm not proud of. And when I was preparing for this discussion over the last little while, I was thinking first uh, internal lessons about myself. And then I was thinking my observations of the world at large. And I can, I could, I guess by, in a way, I'm dividing your question to two, which is... (laughs) Media training. For me, I want to go, I wanted to go, let's get your external thoughts on the wall. But before we go there, tell me about that internal reflection. I, they are tied together. So it's not really that my bifurcating the answers and all that unfair, but I, cause I, I do think it's highly tied together. And I think it's tied to this notion of some of the things that I took for granted, the, the things that over the years had the privilege of doing, I think almost immediately kind of ratcheted that back. And I actually referred to the first period of this ridiculous two years as being the death of entitlement. The fact that I could get, just hop on a plane and go where I wanted, when I wanted, which I had the good fortune to be able to do. It just, that was no longer the case. And what is remarkable about it is I felt like I, I almost didn't even mourn it for the first period of time. It was almost just being in the moment and processing what was going on and thinking about the world differently. And you know, it's going to maybe sound a little hokey for lack of a better word, but this kind of taking pleasure out of the smaller things, the elements of life that we may, maybe weren't paying attention to in the past was almost that first stage. And lots of people have talked about feel sorry for the extroverts because they're the ones that are struggling the most right now. And while I wouldn't necessarily put myself exactly in that bucket, I do crave the presence of other human beings and interacting with them, observing and joking and laughing. And, but even that I was able to, to put aside and get into this daily, um, rhythm, how I would work and then how I would, you know, replace no longer having a commute to provide myself the time to decompress before switching from work to non-work as much as there is such a thing and without the benefits of the commute. So I just found myself having to focus more in the moments one day at a time than I think I'd ever been used to before. And from that, 
I think this kind of comes as a reflection of the incredible adaptability of and resilience of human beings. It is a, this amazing resilience of people to adapt to the circumstances around them, I think has been the most poignant learning of the last two years. I heard you talk a lot about gratitude there and presence. You didn't use those words. You said, appreciate the little things and take pause and recognize the, the privilege that one has and takes a, takes a moment, as you said, not being able to hop and plane and fly anywhere. It's exactly. And I, I, I jokingly said you were, that I was much more attuned to the, to almost the changing of the seasons, kind of ridiculous, even to say it out loud. And that's just how a traitorous spring is, right? Like it pretends it's warm and nice out and then all of a sudden it snows. And you observe this, uh, typically take those on when you're in your busy life and just and you complain about the snow on the ground while you're commuting, but the, you don't really notice it the same way. Correct. And not having that decompressed time, I appreciate that. That was a big part of my my routine was that commute. And I think it is for a lot of people as well, almost figuring out what you're going to do with that time. I actually have thought recently that there's an ideal commute time. Sure as hell isn't an hour, mm -hmm. but it sure as hell isn't 10 seconds. And it's something in between is the sweet spot that allows you to switch from one thing to the next. So I wanted to build on that thought. What do you do with that time now? What are you doing with that time? Well, I, like many people, the work has just expanded into it. And so when I was, you know, largely in, in one building for a long period of time, I would, you know, two things like, what do I do with the newfound time that isn't commuting anymore? And then what do I do to actually right. replace the decompression that happens during a commute to switch from one element to the next? So it's two, two angles on the same point. The time has unfortunately been filled by work and just expanded as many people have experienced. I think there's a, there's been a tremendous leaders of any organization of any, in any position in that company. I've taken on an incredible burden over the last two years. I, although I felt it, I'm not speaking about myself here. I'm, it's more just on any level. Not only are you, are you, you know, worried about your family, your finances, your with the people closest to you, but then you're also worried you're absorbing a lot of what your team is going through. And I think that has, uh, so to, to the point, I think that has been part of it. That's the kind of stuff that's, that's expanded. I've taken on to, to walking much more often, just getting out of the house, moving around. Sounds so old when I say that. And just trying to find ways of switching from one mindset to the next, using my physical activity to do it. And then read more, spend time with family is the big one too. Right. Uh, so questions popped in my mind and I think it's a good question for you. Do you think the last couple of years has made you softer or harder? I actually think the last two years has made us all much more considerate of the whole human being, which in itself is empathy. And, and I think if that were the definition of softer, which I don't necessarily think it is, then I would say it's made me softer. And so more considerate, maybe a little calmer, a little bit more patient until I'm not. Yeah. I mean, it comes with, hopefully it comes with reflection. Boy, if reflection makes you angrier, that's probably a problem. No kidding. And that's exactly what I meant by softer, empathetic, considerate, yeah. helpful, calmer, patient, as you said, until you're not. Bob, last question. What do you think people need to focus on or prepare for or look towards doing over the next couple of years? 
I think we've seen move to go to the smallest group with which they can identify as part of this process. It hasn't been all of us sticking together in terms of a mass of humanity. It has been almost into smaller groups of like-mindedness, I guess is what I might say. And I think the next several years is going to be taking, taking that and putting Humpty Dumpty back together again and creating more larger cooperative groups of people that might have different mindsets on different topics, including everyone. I think it's also this idea of helping people kind of learn new habits. I jokingly say any social graces I used to have, I've lost over the last two years. And then I think there's just been a lot of people who have just been pummeled with fearful messages. We all have been, but how we process that and how we move beyond it and, and start to calculate risk in our lives again. And what are we willing to do? And I think recognizing that, you know, you don't have, like, we're not going to be a workplace where everybody always has to be there. It just doesn't make any sense. And we probably never were in our global operation. We were adding offices in Europe and in areas of cities in the U.S. So we were never all in one office anyway. So people are going to be working remotely. Who cares where they work from? But I think the idea that we cannot, we, we don't need live human interaction is just flawed. The vast majority of us need that. We need it to be able to relate to one another, to deal with issues, creative brainstorming, where we can talk over one another and, and interrupt and build on ideas. Like that is all part of the human experience. And we've all been missing it. I, I jokingly say that the hard walls between the virtual meetings are worse than any walls we've ever had in physical space. It is very hard to move from one meeting to the next and know what's going on and, and interconnect things. I've also taken this recognition that those little accidental collisions in the office or in live interactions in some form or part of the creative process the and the ability to resolve issues rapidly or just those little hallway conversations or swinging your desk around and talking to the person next to you who might be bothered by you interrupting them but in the whole scheme of things it's probably more efficient so us getting some of those back but not losing all the benefits that we've had over the last two years because there's been tremendous benefits too and i think china coming out of it stronger as not only as a society but as a work of art as a professional collection of people working together towards a common purpose. I love that line, which was uh, these virtual walls are sometimes harder than the actual physical walls. Trademarked it right there. (laughs) (laughs) I have a friend and he's got a great line. He says, listen, you can't schedule creativity, which is what you described. Yes, exactly. An interruption and and, and creativity. So I, I said to my team the other day, I'm like, I'm itching to start to go back and do some live stuff. So start speaking to clients and let me know who's open to doing it, but not in the traditional way that we used to do it with massive rooms. What well, we did a little bit of in some of the, the work we've done with you and your group, right? A little more insight. Right. Absolutely. That was, that was perfect. Okay. Cool. Bob, I just spent hours with you chatting away and I know you, you could spend hours chatting. I think what you shared today was amazing, really thoughtful and insightful and, and reflective and funny in regard to the theme of gratitude and presence. And I don't mean in a jovial way. And I'm hearing this a lot. A lot of people are, are talking about that. Bob, if people wanted to get in touch with you or learn more about Bond, how can they do that? My, my email address is actually pretty simple. It's bob at bondbl.com. And we're, uh, it sounds like a one-man operation, but it isn't. But uh, happy to entertain conversations and continue the dialogue. Amazing. Amazing. Bob, once again, thank you so much for being here and spending the time. Thanks so much, Greg. Be well. Thanks, Bob.